G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Mark Fine. G'day everyone, welcome to Footyology Podcast. This is the Round 11 Preview Edition. Uh, thanks for your support, we're getting some great feedback at the moment, so uh, really happy about that and uh, hopefully we can keep doing it for you. Tell all your friends, spread the gospel. Uh, we love doing this show and we're wrapped that you're enjoying it. So thanks a lot for that. As I say, a very big welcome to my co-host, Mark Fine. How are you, Fine? I'm well. Oh, I could go at Andrew's hamburger right about now. Hot oh. chips, the burger, the bun, the best in town. Yes. 80 years young. Go down there, say day to one of the Greggies. Two Greggs. Two Greggs. You know what else I could do, Fine? Two eggs. Uh, no, I'll give the eggs a miss. Um, but I could, uh, I could very much use a new house. I heard you've had some heating issues. Oh, oh, I've been, we've been sitting there for about a week wearing our overcoats. Anyway, it's finally fixed today, but fair to say a new house would come in very handy. So uh, where might I um, investigate that? Well, I knew you'd be cold because I gave you a Nick Spartels and Hardwick Buildco windsheeter. So hopefully that has come in. To be handy during these cold, unheated weeks that you face. It has. Nick Spartels and Hardwick Build Co. You can contact them through the website. Just do a search. And, of course, 144 Bridport Street. If you go down to Andrew's Hamburgers, you could run into Nick anyhow. So it's cold outside. Make it beautiful inside with the best built house in Melbourne. And uh, great hamburgers. Uh, having refreshed my memory and my taste buds last week, I can absolutely say without any shadow of doubt, the best hamburger in Melbourne. Get down there and try it. Now, while we're housekeeping, Finey, competition. We've got our uh, weekly competition to uh, announce the winner of. Well, we had the question was, if we had the wild card, mm. who would be the team that you'd pick historically to be the wild card winner. Now, we had quite a few entries. Uh, we had entries from the likes of... No, we'll do We'll announce oh, it later. later. Yes. But I'm just going to say, we had quite a few entries for one club in one year. Oh, okay. Now, they all ran equal second. Yep. Uh, I can say that your club ran a distant third, and I'll explain why. Okay. But the winner was an absolute cracker. So make sure you stick around to the end of this podcast. We will announce the winner. And what do they win quickly? They are going to win a limited edition Andrews Hamburgers t-shirt that I wore to Andrews Hamburgers and almost was forced behind the counter to do some food prep because it's really only staff that wear them, and a really good quality Andrews cap as well. So, so cap and t-shirt. Do you mean literally the t-shirt you wore? Nope. Good. That's good. I'm glad we made that very clear. And Yui, there's another great comp this week as well. So we'll not only announce the winners at the end of the, the winner at the end of the program, but tell you how you can enter and win for next week. Oh, great stuff. I can't wait. Let's get into it. On Footyology Newsfeed. I love that sting finding. Makes me sound like I'm sitting at a news desk and I'm all semi breathless and hysterical about breaking news. 
do give us your best as we head into some news. Give us your best, uh, Eric Pierce, or serious newsreader voice. Good evening, footyology listeners. This is Newsfeed, and today's headlines: the mid-season draft was conducted on Tuesday, and uh, what did you make of it, Mark? That's not how a newsreader <laughs> doesn't ask people questions. They tell. Well, what did I make of it? You know what? Optimism again for uh, supporters of clubs. It, there's nothing like a new man on the list, of course. So it's just, I think we're going to have one play this week, apparently. very. Uh, there's a real possibility uh, that, uh, we don't know the teams yet, that the Bulldogs will press their ready-to-go key defender into duty. Uh, there's... Other players, uh, the likes of Cam Sutcliffe, who I would suggest would be a very serious opportunity to play shortly for Port Adelaide. He's not going to China. Well, I've got one for you. The the word on the street is that young Will Snelling may turn out for the Bombrays. So soon. Mm. Big Noel. That's not um, Noel Teasdale. That's... I think Michael Noel was picked Uh, up by the Sydney Swans. We should have done this homework. Tim? No, I think Michael. Michael? Sorry, Michael. I, his nickname surely has to be Grassy. Yeah, possibly. But yeah. he's actually a basketballer, so yes. good effort him. Well, he was sought after by, uh, I know the Bombers were interested in him. I think your Saints might have been interested in him as well. Yeah, it's, uh, St Kilda went for another Jack. That's now eight on the list. Great. That's a lot of Jacks, but this time they've added some Mayo. Oh, that's right, yeah. Kid by the name of Jack Mayo. And we were rather hopeful that uh, when the Saints play Essendon again, do they play Essendon again, that uh, he will line up on Braden Ham. I'm certainly hopeful that we play Essendon again, whether Ham and Mayo play or not. The number one pick, we should say, was another DeLuca to Carlton. Um, they tried DeLuca some years ago, but uh, this is a different DeLuca. He's, uh, look... You've got to say that what has come through is that there was a state game between the Sandful and the Waffle, and the two best players, Noel and DeLuca, have been rehomed. Mm. So, in that regard, they'll be, they'll be hopeful. Look, for these players that have been selected, it's another opportunity or a first opportunity to play AFL football. Would you like to see a trade period? No, nah, absolutely not. And, and in fact,. I've got my reservations about the concept as it is. I mean, I think it's wonderful for the players, but I, th- I think the state leagues that they've come from have got uh, some cause for angst at being robbed of players who are integral to their seasons, those clubs. Plus, um, you know, the, the intent is to top up lists that have been racked by injury. Well, you know, there seems to be enough recruiting men who seem to be convinced that clubs will use it more just to stockpile players for the future, which isn't the intent. And I also think, um, yes, you can get seriously unlucky, but, um, you know, if you go into a season, say, with too few ruckmen and your ruckman goes down, do you, do you deserve a get-out-of-jail card for that if you've taken the punt on getting away with not having enough ruckman and, and investing instead in another on-baller? No. Obviously, if you've gone thin with ruckman and you get bitten on the backside with an injury to one or two of them, it's probably karma. But there are situations where clubs actually have an un 
planned for, an unplannable amount of injuries in a certain position. I don't think that's really the reason for the draft. The fact is that, just have a look at the casualty lists at some of the clubs. We are getting to a point where some teams are scraping together uh, a fit 22, and that certainly comes to play at the end of the season when teams that can't make the eight are keen to put players into early um, early medicals. And I, I, I think more important than... Well, what's more important? Is it the club they play for or is it giving players the opportunity to play AFL football? A lot of these clubs would take great pride and store in the fact that they have produced some uh, footballers for the AFL. Yeah, they would, but they'd also like to um, have a crack at winning a premiership in their respective competition. I, I just, look, we had it, you know, or we had it, the uh, last one we had was 1993, I think it was three years, 91 to 93. Um, I'm not convinced that there was a, a pressing enough need for it, and as far as the trading goes with it, absolutely no. I mean, Why, why, why not? Oh, because we... Spend half, we, and not us personally, but we, the football media, already spend half our lives crapping on about stuff that isn't actually the games themselves, and that's at least out of season, the draft and trade stuff, but now we're going to do that in season as well, you know, like, enough, enough. So it is Ryan Gardner who will play, according to the Bulldogs, in round 11. Yeah. So, for him... It's an amazing opportunity that he now can grasp uh, the opportunity to step straight into an AFL match in round 11. It's fantastic. Then you've got Josh DeLuca, whose time at the Dockers was disappointing for him, I guess. He didn't see a lot of action. And now I'm just trying to think of the player. Um, He's an interesting pickup, Marley and Pickett for the Tigers. Not available for a few weeks, of course. And he's been given an opportunity, so... Uh, yeah, no, that side of it, fair enough. I, I accept that. I, I'm just not convinced. David Noble's son got a, got a look-see. I'm pretty sure Ryan Gardner played one game of... For Geelong? Yeah, league football. Mm. So, he, you know, he got a taste of it, but now he gets a real opportunity to consolidate himself. Good, for, right. the, good for the players. Okay, well, it's here now. Let's see how long it lasts. Uh, I guess another big story this week, Dale Thomas... The uh, revelation that he had been drinking uh, within 48 hours of their game last Sunday and uh, duly dumped by the leadership group down to the reserves for this week. Um, I've got a few thoughts on that. I'm not comfortable with it for a number of reasons. I mean, don't get me wrong. Comfortable with the sanction? I'm not comfortable with the the whole thing on both sides. I mean, look, he... Surely a guy of his experience would be smart enough to know that, you know, at 1-9, um, perception is everything. You're out drinking in public. Well, he shouldn't shouldn't have been doing it anyway because they're in a hell of a hole and they need him pulling his weight. If he was going to have a drink, he shouldn't have been doing it publicly because, of course, someone was going to see it and pass some sort of comment on it. Um, but having said that, it just seems to me, and this was the case with Melbourne and Stephen May a few weeks ago too, are there rules about when and when you can't drink and if you can drink or not? Because it seems like in both these cases it was very arbitrary. And I just got the impression with Thomas, if Carlton had been, say, at the top of the ladder and 9-1 and one instead of 1-9, and nine, he wouldn't have got dropped by the leadership group. And it wouldn't have been seen as such a big deal. So I reckon that's pretty dangerous territory because it's always... 
uh, it depends on someone's subjectivity to you know decide how big an offence it is. I reckon if you're going to have any sort of code about drinking, it needs to be unmistakably clear for everyone. So, you know, you don't drink within 48 hours of a game. You don't drink when you're injured in rehab. No, but but hang on, hear me out. If these rules are black and white and committed to paper at least and everyone knows them, there is no excuse. It seems to me like in both these cases it was... Oh, well, he only had a couple. Oh, no, well, actually, he had someone else came out today and said he had far more than a couple. You leave yourself open for that sort of crap. Yeah, Rowan, look. Not like my mum. When you use my full name, I know you're going you're to lecture me. Go on. In a perfect, not even in a perfect world. It, what you're saying makes perfect sense, and that is that there's a set of rules for the playing group, and the rules, when broken, have the following sanctions. But Correct. there is simply... That is not the reality of the matter. The fact is that uh, Wayne Carey was always going to be treated differently at North Melbourne than the 40th player on the list. And so it happens in every sport because... Well, then don't have the rules. I'm saying, so these rules are... When these things happen, they're often sort of duck-shoved over to the leadership group and something is lost in translation. I heard Robbo speak about it on 360. He was scathing of... Thomas, and he actually said, uh, Carlton should part company with Thomas now. Thank you for your service, but you're not fair dinkum. We're in pretty much a crisis. And you know what? I thought it was harsher at the time, but in reflect- on reflection, he might be right. You know, if he's of any value to Carlton, it's as a leader. He's 31 years old. Yeah. He's not a brilliant footballer anymore. No. He's actually, you know, scored a good contract out of Carlton that they've extended Made good coin out of Carlton, really. And what he can do there is, as a premiership player from another club, impart football knowledge and be the light at the end of the tunnel for young players and tell them what it took to become a premiership player. He's let himself down, but much more, he's let that young playing group down. But but this is my point. If they have black and white rules, they can shove them under his face and go, okay, you've transgressed, you're out. This way, it's an arbitrary judgment on someone's behalf. And he has, I don't know, I mean, presumably he wouldn't pursue it, but you'd have some sort of wrongful dismissal claim or something, wouldn't you, if it wasn't explicitly stated in your contract that you couldn't drink within 48 hours of a game. I'm not defending him here, make no mistake. I'm just saying they leave themselves open for these sort of transgressions by not having it clearly defined. Yeah, true. If they're not clearly defined, surely the smart footballer who's been in the system for over a decade knows that at his age, and also the fact that he'd been reported last week for talking back to the umpire, and he made comment of that in his public apology, he'd know that he would be one of the last people that should be doing that. Okay, well, you know what the answer to that is. Dale Thomas isn't that smart. Um, All right, final one quickly before we move on to our next segment. Uh, Gary Ablett, we've just got to tidy up on this one. So he got a week. He'd been pushing the envelope. Lucky not to have got a week already. Had to get a week for this one. There were some people arguing that it would be judged insufficient force. But if um, if you're going to allow a guy who punches another guy in the face to get away with it, uh, they, they had to rule that it was... Um, low impact. Okay. In and of itself, did it deserve a week? Or yes. That's all that matters. I agree. 
unfortunately, we have a system that does not allow for envelope being pushed. It's irrelevant. Week one could have been, you know, F-Blogs. Week two, F-Blogs Senior. Week three, G Ablett. It doesn't matter what he did those previous weeks, each and of itself. In, in a nutshell, I... I th- I thought he probably deserved to get off the Dylan Shield one. I thought he was very lucky to get off the um, who was the next one? Uh, uh, was it Sam Wright? I think it was Sam Wright, North Melbourne. Yep. And he definitely deserved to go for this one. Do you agree with that? Well, look, I believe that there should be some thing more than the goldfish memory for the MRO. I, I believe that recent indiscretions should come with a reprimand and a salient warning. So I think he should have gone for the second one, but I'm quite comfortable that he got a week. The right penalty for this one was applied. All right. No, I agree with that. Um, Just on salient warnings, I just got a text from my beloved saying, darling, on the way home, can you please make sure you get chocolate, uh, toilet paper and cigarettes? That sort of covers all bases, really, doesn't it? You just want to be careful... Applying them. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's get on with it. On Footyology Media Watch. Rightio, a bit of territory to cover in this segment this week. I wanted to start off, Finey, with a comment uh, made on the Sunday footy show last week by Mal Brown, and I can see a few um, eyes sort of rolling back in their heads. Mal Brown, yes, he's still being used for commentary on football for some reason. Um, anyway, he was talking about his former teammate, Kevin Bartlett, and made what I think most people in the 21st century would, would consider an offensive and anti-Semitic remark about uh, Kevin Bartlett's alleged tightness with money. Um, it duly blew up. Um, the Sunday footy show did apologise. Mal Brown, interestingly, refused to apologise. You're Jewish, Finey. I immediately thought, I wonder what Finey thinks of that. I haven't had a chance to ask you until now. Finey, what did you think of it? Am I very Jewish? That's what he said Kevin Bartler was. He said he's very Jewish. All right, there's a few things here. First of all, um, many people were quick to sort of say the aftermath of the whole thing, okay, look, he said what he said, but what's really disappointing is that he didn't apologise. Well, that's, that is wrong. What he said is offensive because it is the classic stereotyping of Jews as being a tight with money avaricious. And the fact that he didn't apologise is classic Mal Brown. He's done that previously. I think he called Indigenous players cannibals and it took a long time if ever, I think he did finally make some concessions on that, but he was initially refused to go back on that. Mel Brown is not beholding to anybody, unlike Israel Folaui. There wasn't a fortune here at stake to be politically correct, even though Folaui um, didn't back down. But the fact is that it is look. It's frustrating. It is particularly. It's frustrating. I I am Jewish by. I guess uh, a race a bit birth by birth. You know, I, I'm not. I'm I'm athe- I'm an agnostic actually, but I, I don't behold to religion, and I don't really identify that much uh, with being Jewish until I hear somebody say something like that, and then then I rail very quickly. Why? Because it is a classic stereotype. It is, you know, it 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 harbors a lot of resentment. And don't worry, anti-Semitic stereotyping was used to put 
millions of people you know, to death. And has, has, that's why Jews are very sensitive about these things, because recent history and anti-Semitism is ghastly for the Jewish people. So why do so many people, or not so many, actually, uh, to be fair, but I, I saw... A lot, a, a, let me tell you, a lot of... I've got to say something. I don't mix in Jewish circles. Most of my friends aren't Jewish. And, you know, it comes up a lot. It does come up a lot. And I am always taken by people sort of talking about, oh, the rent's gone up, you know, the bloke that owns it's a Jew, or my lawyer's a Jew. Yeah. You know, when when your rent goes up and your your landlord's not Jewish, do you say he's a Protestant, my yeah, rent's yeah. gone up? Yeah. Well, I, I was just going to say, I was taken aback by how many people still use the, but, uh, you know, it was just a joke thing. It's like if you say, if your comment to a bit of obvious racism is, is oh, it was just a joke, like, you're still not getting this? I mean, we've been talking about racism now in this country for 50 years. Are there still people that just fundamentally don't get that, that the perpetuating of racial stereotypes is racist? Now, I'm I'm off um, very shortly, actually, to go and see a screening of the Adam Goods documentary, and yeah. I'm, I'm told it's very confronting and it, it will be seen as quite controversial. So I think we're going to be having this discussion again. But surely people, n- not surely, because they don't get it. I don't know how if someone is still saying, oh, but he was just joking. Because people people are very capable in their own minds of... Rationalising. Rationalising and diminishing the relevance to other people and why it causes hurt. Why this is such an important thing in Adam Goods's life and why is it important to Jewish people is because both Indigenous Australians and Jews have seen what the very worst of stereotyping and racist jibes and jokes, where they can end up. I mean, these people have been on the end of the worst of the worst. So for here's the thing, you know, if Kevin Bartlett's tight with a penny, say he's tight with a penny. Why, you know, he's not Jewish. Why call him Jewish? Why, you know? Okay, so... Do, so, well, Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. If I, he's tight, he's tight. Yeah, I know exactly what he, you're saying. He's not Jewish. Leave us out of it. So if Mal Brown... I think it is important that he refuse to apologise. No, that's sure, Mal Brown. Yeah, but okay. So surely Channel 9 should turn around now and say we're not going to use him anymore. Yeah, that would be appropriate. Okay. Given that Israel Folau was had a multi-million dollar contract... Um, revoked by the ARU, then Channel 9 should do that. All right, well, I, I'm going to turn this around because w- one thing that I, I get just as angry about is the bloody media outlets that continue to be party to this sort of stuff. Now, I think footy's been better at it the most. I'm, I'm now sort of talking about current affairs. There, there is a, a woman on who did appear on Channel 7 Sunrise until... She for about the third or fourth time, um, you know, she's she she's talked about Muslims being run over. She's talked about, uh, you know, the stolen generations were good. Um, she's she is revolting. Her name is Prue McSween. She's like a caricature out of Kath and Kim or something. She's North Shore Sydney. Oh, she's absolutely revolting, and the she has no qualifications in anything. She isn't an expert in any field. She is just a big, overprivileged, entitled, revolting big mouth who they use solely for the reason that she will come out and say something controversial. And then once every six months, she pushes it too far and there's a big 
hue and cry and they have to apologise, but secretly they love it because it gives the show more attention. Anyway, she went a step too far. They stopped using her, I think, last year sometime. So what happens? The other mob today on Channel 9 pick her up, and this week she did it again. Now, what was the comment about this time? Um, I can't... One of the usual soft targets, but these media outlets that continue to court this sort of stuff, knowing full well what these people are like, you're just as reprehensible as the people themselves. So, okay, Sunday footy show, oh, you know, they apologise, good. But don't. But if the guy who did it refuses himself to apologise, don't then turn around and use him again, because then you're just as culpable. Well, here's my take on it, and that is that I agree entirely. I think it's the... The use of these people under the guise of, oh, we use Mel Brown or Prue McSween or whoever, you know, they rail against political correctness. Sure, rail against it. I like railing against it with one always strong caveat at the back of my mind, and that is nothing I say should offend or upset people because we're in the entertainment business. And I remember once I used a word on SEN, and I didn't think it was a bad word because I'd sort of grown up with it and seen it used in the media. And that word was retard, and I got uh, a couple of complaints and a heartfelt letter. Now, I personally didn't mean anything by it, but I tell you what, when I read those letters, I promptly went on air, apologised, and never used it again, because for people that have handicapped children or siblings or members of their family, that this was very offensive. And I just want to give you one last one, and that is, what station does, channel does Richard Wilkins work for? Nine. Correct. Now, some years ago, I turned on that morning program, and he was part of a fundraiser, I think for Good Friday, at a McDonald's store. They used to put celebrities in McDonald's stores. Some were serving hamburgers, this and that, and they did a cross to him, and he wasn't serving the food. And they said, what are you doing today, Richard? And he was standing at the cash register taking payments, and he said, I'm playing the Jewish piano. Now... The reason, he thought it was very funny calling a cash register a Jewish piano, and I rang up, it's the only time I've ever rung a station and complained, and a producer or associate producer of that program rang me back and told me to lighten up, it was only a joke, Really? don't take it too seriously. <laughs> Do you know why I rang them up? What? Because I had actually, it, it, it didn't, I'm not the sort of person that's going to be so offended by such an expression, but I had occasion to run into Richard Wilkins at a private social event in Melbourne, he wouldn't have known me from Job, and it was with many industry fellows, and he behaved, well, let's just say when he left, people were gobsmacked at his um, self-importance, self-aggrandizement, and sort of uh, pushing the envelope as to how much you can take from people without putting your hand in your pocket. Basically, if he's going to come up with something like the Jewish piano. We should call it the Richard Wilkins piano because that's how he behaved that night. So that really annoyed me. That's unusual for a TV personality to be like that. Oh, breakfast television, it's its just constantly uh, raising the bar on quality, finally. Absolute disgrace. Wouldn't watch either of those shows if, uh, we'll put it this way, if someone wanted to torture me, they'd uh, strap me to a chair and make me watch that absolute crap. All right, let's move on. Now, this happened late last week after we recorded on Thursday. Uh, Media Watch is our Thursday segment. We haven't really had a chance to discuss 
the story behind the story. I speak, of course, of Brad Scott's departure as North Melbourne coach. And um, as, I guess, a a media veteran, uh, one thing I've observed about um, particularly newspaper reporting, there aren't many big footy stories that that are uh, can be or are broken anymore for a variety of reasons. The control mechanisms are better. Um, I think there's fewer senior journos in those roles now. And I guess it depends where your interests lay, but one of the biggest surely has to be the departure of a coach. So uh, credit where it's due to Mark Robinson, who got the tip-off that Brad Scott would probably be coaching uh now what I'm trying to remember the initial story he was saying he hinted that this next game could be his last game that was on Friday um so that was a really good get by him and that sort of sparked a, a mad scramble and for about what 24 hours no one knew quite what was going on in terms of the timing uh became increasingly obvious that he was on the money and uh then finally Brad Scott didn't actually officially announce it until uh, when the Sunday um, was it Sunday or Saturday? No, Sunday because they played on Saturday. But um, it was basically a fait accompli on the Saturday. So that was a really good get for Robbo. So um, hats off to him for that. Uh, and you touched on a what you thought was a particularly good interview during the week too. Yeah, just on Robbo, you know it's you know it's a good get when. Your reaction when you hear the story is WTF. So when I heard it, yeah. it was like, what? Yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. good. They're the ones worth breaking, aren't they? Yep. Oh, absolutely. Uh, look, that Paddy McCartan interview, I don't know whether uh, you, the podcast fan here, have heard it from Triple M. They've part of their podcasting. It was on the Sunday rub. But uh, obviously, Paddy had come to a point, and in the interview, he says that he's not very good at telling people or had not been very good at telling people how deep the problem was or how it was affecting him and I think it all came to a boil and the time was right to bear all and bear all he did and no St Kilda supporter I think had an inkling of how deeply this run of concussions and now very um most serious of the concussions, one that's ruled him out for the season, continues to plague him both physically and mentally. It was a well-conducted interview. Who, who was doing the interview? Look, uh, Rodney Ede was there, I believe. Wayne Schwoss was there. Howie yep. was there, Mark Howard. Yep. Of course, professionals will always be sensitive to these matters, but the right questions were asked, and then the responses, I believe, probed when suitable. So, well done to Paddy McCartan, and well done to Triple M for being the forum on which it was aired, not one a station you'd always associate with... Sensitivity? Correct. <laughs> but but they're professionals. When you've got Wayne Schwoss, who's a campaigner for men's mental health, yep. Rodney Ede, who has been a player and you know, parent-like coach for so long, and, yep. and a very good interviewer in Mark Howard. Yep, Howie is a good interviewer. Then you've got the formula, regardless of Triple M's philosophy of being blokey and fun, you've got the right team to ask the questions. Well done, Triple M. Okay, last one before we uh, have enough of Moody Watch. Um, and it goes, it's the flow-on effect of the Brad Scott stuff. There's sort of this assumption that Brad Scott now being away from his club will start a coaching merry-go-round. 
Um, and we haven't sort of had one for a while, but I, I found myself the last few days going, oh, yeah, that's right, this is what happens. Um, so the usual suspects get rolled out. The usual suspects this time, rather than being potential coaching candidates, are the clubs who might potentially change their coaches. So now I've seen rattled off in at least half a dozen different forums St Kilda, Carlton, Essendon. Um, bit unfair on your man Richo, I thought, when St Kilda has basically done a lot better this year than most people thought they would. Uh, we knew there was pressure on Brendan Bolton already. Bad timing for John Warsfold that the side isn't playing well, but also has some injuries as well. So you're going to continue to see that rolled out. The other thing that will happen is every coach basically will get asked a question about their future. And uh, I noticed the latest one, his press conference on Wednesday was Ross Lyon, who uh, I thought, gee, I mean, he came out, this is the the um, trap for the coaches because it, unless they're sort of unequivocal about their intent, people will say, oh, he's leaving the door open there. But Ross Lyon, uh, you know, very sort of definitive comments. He said the strongest was, I love Perth. I don't see myself moving. I intend to see out the term and hopefully longer. He's contracted till the end of next Tied year. Tied itself. Of what? <laughs> Dockers. He's he's contracted till the end of time. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what Al McAllister said after Lee Matthews won a flag at Collingwood. <laughs> but um, then again, you know, we've seen Ross uh, extricate himself from the deal at St Kilda. So uh, people get very cynical about these things. But, uh, you know, if you don't like too much speculation about coaches and coaching appointments, I suggest you strap yourself in because it could be quite a long few months before, uh, well, at least one position is resolved and potentially several. If we had a throbbing big budget, wouldn't it be great to have an animator, actually animate a merry-go-round with the heads of the horses replaced by likely coaches? Because I love that that organ music you get with a merry-go-round. Yeah, that's it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) You know what's become, and this is not with Brad Scott, Brad Scott would be pictured lurking in the background, like with a cape. Yeah. Um, I'm ready to take your job. (laughs) But you know it has become dynamic over maybe the last decade, and I don't like it. What? And that is, especially when the merry-go-round is cranked up and it starts rolling, coaches whose teams are playing badly, who are potentially under siege, start in their press conferences to almost canvas their own position. And and when they should be scathing on their team and unequivocal about how poor they're travelling, they realise that to say that is in a way saying, I'm not going well. So you have what you had with Simon Goodwin this week, which incredibly, in that very poor loss to GWS, which sounds the end of a premiership contender's run for the season, said there were some good signs. He said, no, be assured, things were terrible. But he liked Oscar Baker. He liked the fact that they didn't pack it in at three-quarter time. And you know what that says to me? He likes his job. Yeah, fair enough, too. It's pretty well paid. All right, that's enough for Media Watch. Let's get into some previews. On Footyology, previews with Punch. Punchy previews you will get. Round 11 kicks off at Marvel Stadium Friday evening. North Melbourne versus Richmond Tigers. Uh, gee, they're building up ahead of steam. They were very impressive. Uh, great wet weather side, finally. Once it's the heavens opened in that Dreamtime game, I had little doubt 
that they would account for the Bombers. Um, they're looking very good. Dusty Martin, we said. You could see the uh, the switch was flicked, and he's now played two great games back-to-back. So pretty short odds on him making that three, I think. Uh, they've done very well without those uh, injured players, but they are starting to come back. None other than Trent Cotchen uh, tipped to return for this one against... The Kangaroos, who uh, were pretty impressive against the Bulldogs last week in a game where their emotional levels could have done anything, really, after finding out that their coach was no longer their coach, not long before they went into battle. But um, this one might... This is sort of a game where I I half expect North to give Richmond a bit of of stick for... Not a bit of stick, but to really push them for maybe a half. And then I think the Tigers' superior class will get the job done. You'd have to tip Richmond, and I agree entirely. They're a great wet-weather team. It is an indictment, really, on Essendon that most people felt when the rain came that that was clearly going to be an advantage to the Tigers because isn't that saying that they keep their nose over the ball longer, that they're more likely to be at the coalface down where the ball is rather than floating around for marks and... Oh, and just physically and stronger. Gi- and give me's. Yeah. So they're a very committed physical side, and their whole game is built around pressure and swarming numbers. Do you think North are capable of taking a scalp this year? Yeah. Yeah. I think they were pretty good. Um, you know, they've had some pretty decent performances of late. You know, they pushed along. Um, so they're not. But even... I'm saying beating, you know, beating Richmond would be a major upset. Are they capable of doing it? Maybe yes. not this week, but. Yes. Yeah, I don't know if they are. I would be almost certain to say that they can't do it this week, but maybe there'll be another week, probably under the roof at Marvel, where they could do it. I've got this thing in my head, and I... This is at the MCG, is it not? No, it's a Marvel. Well, then they might be able to do it. Well, I've got this thing in my head. (laughs) I've got this thing in my head that Richmond aren't as good at Marvel, and... Look, the Bulldogs did fix them up a few weeks back, but I, th- I suspect their record there in the last few years is is okay. Well, um, so now the wet weather doesn't come into play at all. Well, no, it doesn't. Pity. It doesn't. But I, I, I just think they're a better team and they're a, a stronger team, and uh, I think they'll win. Who are you tipping? Look, I'm tipping Richmond. It would be disrespectful to not tip them because they have played so well, regardless of who's playing. Soldo comes back into the team. I didn't think we'd be saying that. Uh, that's sort of a welcome addition, given that he was only really an addition two weeks ago anyhow. But he's more experienced than the youngster that took his place. The and That's going to be necessary, because Goldstein was an avenue to winning the game for North Melbourne. So I think uh, whilst North are capable of it, Richmond have all the answers. All right, we're both going for the Tigers. Oh, oh by, by the, the way... way. <laughs> Go on, you do it. Well done, mate. On what? You, you know, I think both of us getting eight last week was a good effort, and also it's now a serious race, sixty to fifty-nine. Yeah, you've closed the gap, and I've I feel the hot, the heat of your breath on my back of my neck. Ew, don't envy that. I've brushed my teeth today. Uh, we both got one wrong, but a different one. Yeah. I, I got. Uh, I was a lot closer than you. I, yeah, I got I got North wrong, and you got Fremantle wrong. Yeah, I was good until the last kick. All well, right. Uh, speaking of which, let's turn our attention to Saturday afternoon, and of course, the second game uh, of round eleven is at the MCG, and it's between Collingwood and Fremantle. I can remember a couple of times here where Fremantle have stitched the Magpies up. 
I don't think this is going to be one of those times. Now, really good uh, news on the selection front for the Pies. Dugowie will be back. Very good chance Cox will be back. And Do you reckon they'll play Cox well, if it's pouring? Yeah, well, no, maybe not. I was going to say it'll be interesting to see how that fits in with Ben Reid, who, who's going okay. Darcy Moore back, who's very important to them structurally. I think Taylor Adams is uh, remaining out for another week or two. He'll take advantage of the bye for an extra break. Uh, but is available. Yes, he is. So uh, some really good ins there for them. Uh, Fremantle, not so much. You'd think... You would think, wouldn't you, that Fremantle would probably want to try and add a bit of uh, run, a bit of leg speed perhaps on the MCG. Um, Optus Stadium, pretty much the same dimensions. But Are you saying they may be tempted to play Harley Bennell, who in his first game back only played just over a half and got 30 possessions and looked brilliant, they reckon? If they were coached by any other man, I'd say yes, very tempting. I'd just, I just, It would be a major surprise, I reckon, if Ross uh, Lyon picked Benell after one game back in the waffle. Yep. However, another small man they may turn to is Travis Collier, who apparently was pretty good in the waffle last week. Hasn't really set the world on fire from yet, but uh, I like Trav. He's a he's a confidence player, and when his confidence is up, he can really give some value. So I reckon they need to add a bit of run to be any chance. Do you think they're any chance? No, they're not. They've No chance. No, but one of their major problems will be, and they've played the MCG right at times. We remember that great after the siren goal by Monday against the Tigers, of course, was yep. at the MCG. But Which one? Well, one after the siren and one just before the, the siren. siren. The best player in the competition at the moment seems to be Brodie Grundy, and uh, it's really been a cobbled ruck division for Freo this year. Lobb has not been any more serious a footballer at Freo than he was at GWS. What's happened to Aaron Sandlins? Indefinite. But what what's actually his injury? Um, I know he's got over the camel toe, but, well, it was a grass toe or whatever. Remember he had a toe oh, that kept turf him toe. Yeah. Camel toe. <laughs> Go on. Um, this is a family podcast, Fonny. Keep it clean. What family? People listen the to Manson it on their own. The family. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Um, yeah, indefinite. Apparently, apparently, they can't get enough electricity to power his body. No, no, but I, I was just like, uh, you started talking about their ruck, and I said, hang on, Aaron Sandlins hasn't retired, has he? Might as well have. But you know how Sandlins speaks. Yeah. Oh. Me angry. Me want to play Collingwood. He's a nice guy. Sandlins. Okay, get on with it. <laughs> well, pick Collingwood. You're the one that wanted to know what's wrong with it. I'm picking Collingwood comfortably as well. Okay, Saturday's action then moves on to the big one, Finey. The big one at uh, Giant Stadium, they call it now, and it's GWS versus the Gold Coast. Battle of the newbies or that, relative newbies. Well, it's big for them. There, there was always a bit of... Is it, What's this a battle of? This, is this a battle of something? It's, you know, they have Battle of the Bridge. It's and the AFL Q-Clash. Finance Department Intra-Club. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. Okay, so what's going to who, happen? Who do we barrack for? Just a second. Let's get Henderson in accounting to tell us. <laughs> yeah, who's coaching the teams? Uh, Travis Old and um, who, who's uh, who's the chief financial officer now? Oh, anyway, go on. The, <laughs> GWS, obviously, hot favourites, will probably win this game. You know what the supporters will be doing? They won't cheer after a goal. they go, bye, bye. <laughs> <laughs> Shares in GWS up 1.3. This game is important to some new fans to the AFL. It's actually very important for the ladder 
but you've sort of penned it in for GWS for all the right reasons, except that Gold Coast have been very honest this season. They've been consistently competitive. In fact, have they been blown away at all? Uh, maybe once. They really find themselves quite healthy at the moment in relative terms. You know, Fiorini, gee, it was good to see him back last week. He's a mm. good player. They range along to a good game. Three quarters sees them out against the best teams, yeah. it seems. GWS, if this game was at Metricon, first of all, there'd be a financial boon to the Gold Coast Club. <laughs> but secondly, you might be tempted to tip an upset, but not at Giant Stadium. Trademark. T- you know, with that Giant Stadium. Trademark. <laughs> I wonder... Um yeah, I want, I please, want, note, please note this game is not to be this game is not to be taken in and of itself as a financial result. <laughs> I wonder if the official. Uh, oh, the, we know the attendance already. Apparently, <laughs> okay. Can I go on now? Yeah. Um, I wonder if the Suns' periods of uh, you know poor play or fatigue will grow increase as the season goes on. That's my worry with them. But even if that happens, you know they've so far exceeded. The expectations of them. Um, do, do you find the sun sort of predictable in a cyclical manner? Uh, well, they tend to grab a few wins early on. And yeah. then, well, last year they, I think they won three out of five, and then one of the last seventeen. Didn't the, didn't the Mayans or the or the Aztecs plot the suns? You know, the, I think this has been foretold. <laughs> okay, what uh, what ancient civilization do the giants represent? The the lily pu- no, they yeah, were the yeah, little Gulliver. ones. Yeah, <laughs> Gulliver. How uh, Gulliver? Yeah, Gulliver's Travels. Yeah. What about David and Goliath? Goliath was a big one, wasn't he? Yeah. David was a little. I, one. I always said that there were two books: Gulliver's Travels, yeah, and Gullible's Travels. Except <laughs> Gullible, Gullible's Travels was printed under the name the Bible. Oh, ooh, okay. That'll uh, well, I said I'm agnostic earlier in the program. No, that'll dissuade our our. You know, religious audience and then those two people. I'm sorry. Uh, can you tell we're struggling with this preview, Finey? Well, GWS will win, won't they? I've still. Have you still got? No, seriously. Do you still have any reservations about GWS? Because I do, and uh, and it was confirmed again last week. Now they were so dominant over Melbourne that should have been close to a 100 point win. They ended up winning by 26 because they just completely clocked off. And I I know the game was in the bag, but I'm not sure they can afford afford to be sort of flirting with form like that. They can't. And as as we've pointed out, Gold Coast are very honest. And the thing about GWS, they don't realise that they've made a mistake or that they've got a, a, a frailty at a certain ground or have a problem until they actually lose that game. So... Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, we're no good at the MCG. Oh, we'll fix that next time we're there. And they did. Yeah. Oh, we, we, we shouldn't take any team for granted. We'll beat Gold Coast next time. It'd be good <laughs> if they were a bit proactive in just one every game that they should. Well, if they make a grand final, we'll know to tip the other team, won't we? Because they'll oh, fix that up yeah. next time too. I'm tipping GWS. I'm tipping GWS as well. All right, Twilight on Saturday, uh, 4.25, I think. Uh, Geelong taking on Sydney. Well, we know how good Geelong are on their home deck, but we also know that the one team that can be relied upon to consistently give them trouble here is the Swans, who have won down there, I think, now three times since oh. 2011. Wasn't it a great night game? It was, <clears> you know, that real showcase of the new ground and... 
Sydney just pants them back when they played them there. Well, that wasn't the first one, though. They, they... No, 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 not the first yeah, one. Yeah, no, was... I, I did that game. Yeah. yeah I'm that... doing this game, too. Do you know that if you're a uh, someone in the footy industry who has to watch as many games as possible and you live in Melbourne, you cannot get a worse assignment than Geelong at Geelong because what it starts 4.25, so I will effectively miss the second half of the Saturday afternoon game, and I'll miss the first half of the Saturday evening games. Well, it is and then I'll uh, I'll tape Saturday stretch to try and fill me in, and all I'll get is Brad Johnson, Dermy, and um, Sarah Ollie laughing a lot and drinking cocktails. We'll get to the game in a moment. Just very quickly, Geelong Swans or Geelong South Melbourne. Yeah, South Melbourne, yeah. I, I, I used to like that matchup because they were sort of off-Broadway teams for me, very much yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. They had a very strange arrangement with one player. Do you know who that player was? Pretty famous name at Geelong. Um, this player played for Geelong, but he was loaned to South Melbourne. Went back to Geelong, but South Melbourne loaned him when they were sort of having a little rattle at the finals in the mid-70s. Oh, in the mid-70s? Yeah. Um, well, I remember Phil Baker did that with North Melbourne and Geelong. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it's sort of ringing a vague bell, but... Uh... Father of... Same position as? Uh, not Hawkins. No. There's um, a lot of fathers down there. Oh, Scarlett. John Scarlett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, no. But, he, but didn't he play for South for a couple of years? Yeah, well, they loaned him. They yeah. loaned him and then we want Scarlett back. And they took him back. Okay, let's do the preview now. Okay. Hard game for the Swans to win, isn't it? Uh, it is, but like I said, they've won down there three times in the past eight years. But he must be better for the run because he didn't do very much. Well, what really hurts them, obviously, is Josh Kennedy. Yeah, I mean, he he's... And Zach Jones is out. Oh, is he? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Out for a beat. You know, this last week, he won't be back to the Do you think the there's bite. an argument Josh Kennedy is as important to them as Buddy Franklin? Oh, of course. Yeah. Must be. Um, I wonder if uh, Dan Menzel still to play for Sydney. I wonder if they might... Uh, oh, they'll play him. He kicked five reckon? in the kneeful. Oh, okay. Knows his way around the... Yeah. The thinner than most torpedo-shaped Cardinia Park. Of course, as there is a big uh, out for Sydney, there is a big in for the Cats. And I speak of Patrick Dangerfield. And there's a big out for the Cats. And you speak of... Gary Ablett. Yes, of course. Um, I think Geelong are well-placed to cover outs this season as compared to the Swans, whose depth has already been tested. Yeah, I, I don't think they can win it without Kennedy. In fact, every one of those wins, I seem to remember Kennedy's been enormous for him, and he certainly was. Um, in fact, last year was a ripper. They were they were comfortably behind at three-quarter time, pulled out a huge last quarter, but he was sort of instrumental to that. Um, I don't think they can win down there without him, so cats for me. There is one way they can win, because they've got a player who can be hugely influential in this game if he just puts his mind to it, who's hit a bit of form lately. Now, this player... Luke Parker? No, Aaliyah, Aaliyah. This, oh. this player, when right, can stem attack after attack after attack. So He's a man for Tomahawk. He's a man for the whole forward line. Cause he, when he's right, but he does this more at the SCG, of course, where the confines allow it. He sort of parks himself 30 metres out from goal, mm. and he reads everything mm. coming in. Harder at GMHBA or Cardinia Park, Geelong for mine. Geelong for mine as well. Saturday evening, uh, this could be a good game. Up at the Gabba, Brisbane taking on Hawthorne. Now, you'll remember Brisbane not only smashed Hawthorne at the Gabba last year, they ended up smashing him down in Launceston as well. So do the Lions have the wood 
on the Hawks certainly helps having Chris Fagan in charge of the team. Knows a lot about how the Hawks like to play. Um, they were eh, they're okay last week against Port. Difficult conditions, but ultimately the difference between the two sides was Jack Gunston. They'll need him to uh, perform to a similar sort of level, you'd think. And Brisbane, I guess the probably the big question for Brisbane will be how are they going to back up after a road trip to Perth and playing in the last game of the round too. So and you, the heartbreak, oh, boy, yeah, was that yeah. disappointing? But I mean, if you're, it's the biggest road trip in footy, isn't it? Brisbane to Perth. No, I think you'll find a bigger one this week. Oh, Melbourne to Darwin? No. Oh, Shanghai. Moorabbin to okay. Shanghai. Yeah, yeah, no, fair enough. But in, in, in the shores, in our shores, <laughs> um, it is the biggest road trip. So that that is an issue for them. Um, having said that, I I think I'm just about over the, the uh, what would you call it, the Hawthorne effect, Finey, which is, it's only taken me four years. You know, four years after they've won their, the last of their three flags in a row, you still see Hawthorne think, oh, you can never write Hawthorne off, as Peter McKenna used to say. But um, they're not what they were. And, uh, look, I, I think they're they're honest and more often than not will give a pretty good account of themselves. And we saw them uh, do a number on GWS a couple of weeks back. But Brisbane up there, uh, going from the uh, – it was pretty cold down in Tassie last week. I wonder if the – Oh, here uh, we go, the weather. Well – Remember that game that was so hot between Hawthorne and Brisbane? Yeah, the um, the comeback game. Correct, and uh, Wolsey made a big deal. Of the fact, the Hawthorne players were sheltering yeah, in the, the shade, the shade of the yeah. light tower. Look at them! Look at them! That was nine, God. 1995, 24 <laughs> years ago. Um, yeah, I, I, <laughs> the last refuge, the last refuge of the Victorian team where it's too hot. Jim Wolsey was great like that. There was another game when Melbourne played up there, and Jim Steins wore a cap. cap yeah, and look Wal- at him. And Wolsey wanted everyone to rip the cap off. Yeah. And then there was another game. When I think he was commentating, he saw he tipped whoever was playing Geelong because he saw the Geelong players walk out with sunglasses on. Yeah. He's so deternally old school, was he? <laughs> anyway, I, I tossed up this one for a while, but in the end, I thought, okay, no, I'm not going with reputation. I'm going with an up-and-coming, good young side at home who, having been disappointed in Perth, will be extra keen to make a big impression and show that they are definitely on the up-and-up. I'm going for Brisbane. Can I can I distill what you said to two words? Yep. Because I reckon the rest of it was bulltish. What I said. Yeah. Oh, the, I reckon two oh, two words. Thanks a lot. I reckon you tipped them because of two words. What? At home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, well, that's why I'm tipping it. Well, we can make those previews a lot quicker if we just follow <laughs> that theory. All right. Speaking about long road trips, uh, there are a couple of rippers this week, and here's the second longest: uh, Melbourne to Darwin. And it is Melbourne taking on Adelaide. Of course, Melbourne have played uh, quite a bit now in the top end and also in Alice Springs. Um, they fixed up Adelaide last year in Alice, didn't they? That was that was a real sort I of... I love that game because that was the game where one of the angles of the camera was sort of behind a tree. So there was, <laughs> in the forward pocket, it was this beautiful artistic foliage, you know, foliage player goal. I loved it. Now, some uh, fairly important uh, selection stuff with this game. Adelaide uh, will get Matt Crouch back. Huge for them. Mm -hmm. He is so important to them. And Tom Lynch, very likely to come back, which is also obviously very important with their captain, Captain Tex, 
uh, patently struggling this season. But they're happy to pass on Jenkins and Gibbs again, I believe. Yeah, Jenkins very much out of favour, isn't he? And uh, the other mob get a few back too. Christian Salem will return. Uh, Stephen May, pretty good chance to come in for his second game. He's from the Northern Territory, isn't he? Uh, I think he is. Okay, we'll check that. Uh, Alex Neil Bullen, I think, returns. And Michael Hibbard, um, important uh, rebounder off halfback, likely to return for them as well. Now, they stunk it up for three quarters last week, but finally got their act together in the last. I wonder if, uh, do you put anything in the springboard theory that having finished off with at least a decent quarter, they can take that into their next game? No. Okay. None whatsoever. This is a remarkable turnaround from you uh, going from uh, complete verbosity to absolute uh, monosyllabic dialogue. I'm nothing if not versatile, my friend. Okay, so what's going to happen? Oh, this is a, again, it's a, it's a difficult, difficult to tip Melbourne because of their. Because they're crap. <laughs> yeah, because of their, how disappointing they've been. But are, are Adelaide. Any more reliable as a football no. team? No, I, I think I decided. Um, I decided watching Adelaide. I reckon the last two weeks that they. I now don't believe that they can get back to anything like they were playing in two thousand seventeen. It's just something that's gone, isn't it? And it, it just they seem incapable of recapturing anything like that level, even with pretty much the same personnel. By the way, Stephen May was born in Darwin. Oh, there you go. Good call. He is, of course, uh, has Indigenous... He is Indigenous, yes. Uh, in, from Indigenous background. And interestingly, just having a... This is really weird, some things you pick up. He's a very keen fan of Tottenham. Now... Stephen May. Yeah. Oh, he's a ripping... I love Stephen May. He's a yeah. ripping Now, that's bloke. a problem. Uh, oh, because... Champions League on Sunday night. He could be... Highly distracted. No, nah, but isn't it like 5 a.m. Yeah. Sunday morning? Yeah, he'll be distracted. I'll be distracted. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the alternate view is he you know, gives the game everything and then he gets a few hours sleep because he's so tired and he sets his alarm, wakes up and watches it. Has a couple of beers, gets filmed doing so and is on the tire in the outer again. I'm going to tip Melbourne. Uh, it's, it's without rhyme or reason. I do think that they have had the elastic band stretched too far with some of their outs. So to get three or four players back will be handy for them. Mm. They're, they've got a bit of experience playing up in the top end this time of the year. Yeah. Uh, the conditions there, I think we're, I think they've picked a time now that isn't right in the heart of the wet season. So, in fact, I watched a game during the week because I never get enough football. I watched a full game of NEFL football between the Northern Territory and Canberra Demons. Oh, yeah. Take that as an omen, because Canberra Demons won. The conditions were good. They were very good. Melbourne, just with that extra experience in the battle of the gay deceivers, I'll tip Melbourne, and I'd tip them for another reason, and that is, again, ruck dominance is important. Now, of course, he was great last week, Gorn, in a losing cause, but he killed Mumford. Yeah. And I think he'll... Riley O'Brien, I reckon, has just about had enough. He's starting to... Um, Tire. Yeah, he's sort of tired noticeably. I'm going to tip the Ds. Uh, I'm going to tip Adelaide, but with absolutely no conviction. Sort of last chance to learn stuff very quickly because we've still got three games. Yep. Uh, Spurs or Liverpool? Liverpool. I'll go for Spurs. Absolutely no logic in that at all. Just a, Spurs. a hunch. The cowboy in you wants Spurs. Okay. I'm a West Ham supporter. Tottenham Hotspur. I'm a West Ham supporter and we are the, they're our mortal enemy. 
What about um, oh no, no, Charlton Athletic and Sunderland? Did I show you the? Did you see the own goal in that? The, the yeah, show? I watched. I watched all the playoff games. Yeah, no, well that was pretty amazing. I watched. Um, how about how about the one from the division below? Because who, who was that? Well, Newport County. Now, yeah. Quick, quick. Well, I did. I did a beefy Blake. Kieran Blake is a Welshman. I did yeah. radio with him. Yeah, he is a mad Newport County supporter, and he got me supporting them. Yeah, and they're in the playoffs. They just snuck in. Oh, mate, were they shafted in the hundred and twentieth minute? They conceded the losing goal. Yeah, having had a player sent off, a goal disallowed, a penalty not given. The the referee obviously was anti Welsh. And who who beat them? Uh, the other mob. Um, can't remember who. Yeah, it's funny. I, I watched... Uh, not, it was, who did they play? Somebody. Yep. I, I watched um, most of the Aston Villa derby game, which was a really entertaining game. Well, I, Aston Villa were 2-0 up, and then yeah. I went to bed. Oh, derby really I'm saying I heard they it. rattled yeah, back Yeah, no, it was, it was all them in the last 15 minutes. How That's, did Grealish go? You know he's the most hated yeah. player... Did they b- Isn't he Jeez. the guy the fan ran on and clocked a He's few weeks back? So hated. All right, just um, what was the other thing? Yeah, the thing I find really weird with those playoffs of promotion is that so Aston Villa going nuts, you know, and they present them with this huge trophy or whatever. That's for they finished third. third. Oh. What a Norwich and Sheffield United get for finishing it's first so true. and second. I actually was listening to that's the, ridiculous. The England. That's sports. Whatever that sports station is overnight. Macquarie do them overnight. Talk sport from the UK. Yeah. And they were taking the piss out of, and the celebrations are amazing. The streamers, the glory, the wonder. I'm finishing a distant third. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, if you're Norwich and Sheffield United, aren't you sitting there going, hang on, we finished higher than you. Where's our trophy? So they were doing things like, in last year's derby, remember the celebrations for the third place, McVyron. Was it at the moment? <laughs> That's true. And when you When you think about it, look, the team that wins it, they have huge celebrations. They get the confetti cannon. You know the team that finishes second? They just walk home. Yeah. Yeah, we made it. What's Sheffield United? I mean, I, I can remember when Sheffield Wednesday were a pretty good team. Thursday. <laughs> uh, all right, let's get on with it. As usual, we're dragging our heels here. Uh, Sunday's games, St Kilda v Port Adelaide in downtown Shanghai. Shanghai. Sure, sure. Uh, now I've I've got I've a bit of I've Chinese. Got, I've got a bit of familiarity with the venue, Finey, having gone there last year. Yep. It's a really, yeah. Look, I'm, I we had a great holiday actually. So Shanghai is pretty amazing. Twenty six million people, the latest uh, population count. That's in one city, just incredible. And, and it, not one of them wear a Rage Against the Machine T-shirt. No, but I'll tell you what happened. We, we got there and we were walking around the streets of right in the absolute smack bang in the middle of it um, and I, I'm walking along and I see unusually I guess given the um, the people around I see the sort of bottom half of a figure and I think oh this guy's tall and I look up it was Stephen May banged into Stephen May in the middle of Shanghai um, anyway it was good fun uh, it was an ordinary game last year too it was pretty drizzly what's the ground wet. like oh, oh the ground's fine no the is ground is it proper AFL because I haven't yeah. I haven't immersed myself in the Gold Coast port yeah, yeah, experience yeah. no the ground was totally okay well, it was, I found it unusual that the, there were guards all around the ground but they were facing away from the football yeah um, uh, plenty of locals there and it was a reasonable crowd it, it didn't look great on TV because everyone was sort of trying to get shelter but 
Um, what is a factor, though, it was less a factor last year because there was a, a change in the weather, but the few days leading up to the game, uh, gee, I was, it was so hot and it was so humid and smoggy. And I think uh, apparently the heat's um, on in earnest there this time too. So who do you think acclimatises best to the Shanghai conditions? Can I just ask you, before we do the game, I'd love to go there because you've got to tell me, what was at the food concession? So they have a kid walking around going, camphor tea, prawn dumplings (laughs) and fried salt and pepper squid. Yeah, but you've got to do it in the right intonation. Okay, so it's, so it's, Hang on, wait. Yeah. I'll do the Australian yeah. version, which is, yeah. I, I haven't said this for years. Peanuts, lollies, chocolates and potato chips. So it'd be, um, all right, it'd be dumplings, tea, prawn, dumplings, tea, shumai and salt and pepper squid. What about lychees? Like these, like these. That's the peanut guy. Remember the big peanut guy with the bag? <laughs> peanut peanuts. Like these, like these. Like these. Fill in a bag, fill in a bag. Like these, like these. And he just picks the like tree at you. Can we, uh, come on, let's pre- Lychee, I'll get. I'll have a bag of like trees. Let's preview the actual <laughs> game. It'll be squashed. When you catch it, it'll just squash in your hand. Come on. Two dong. Bag of like trees, two dong. What's going to happen in the game? St Kilda will get donged. It's a hard to go there the first time. Isn't it? Isn't the fact that Port have been there th- two or three times a huge advantage? No, I just had a horrible realisation, which was I've already uh, tipped in another podcast, and I think when I was looking at it, I forgot it was in Shanghai, and I was thinking it was at Marvel Stadium. <laughs> you got that wrong. And um, under the roof, you th- did you I th- do the whole? Think I might have. I think I might have tipped St Kilda. Did you, well, you would have at Marvel. I definitely tipped St Kilda at Marvel. Yeah, but we're not at Marvel. No, but did you do your whole review based on that? Look, they play the ground really well. <laughs> they, you know, they cover the ground, and and they need to improve their goal kicking. There, people go, "What's he talking about?" Now, importantly, uh, Jaron Geary may uh, well play. Looks like he'll play. Um, and uh, Port will probably get Scott Lye set back. A good man, Disco O'Brien, former producer of mine on radio, now St Kilda Football Services Manager pointed out to the playing group this week that St Kilda will become the first team to play for premiership points in three different countries. Uh, yes, New Zealand, China. And uh, we have played in Australia. Okay, yeah, good. Just. Uh, I've, I'm going to tip Port Adelaide with the, you know, Port Adelaide, I think they're more, when I say they're more honest than Adelaide, they've had their ups and downs, but I think Port are, uh, more of a team that will beat sides below them. I think they're capable of that. And St Kilda is a, a, a step below Port Adelaide. And I think Port can handle teams not as good as them. You know what? I've just had a change of heart. I think the home ground advantage does count for something. I am going for Port Adelaide. Okay. All right, let's move on. Essendon, Carlton at the MCG, 3.20 Sunday afternoon. Oh, no. Every Essendon fan in the country can see this coming a mile off, Finey, because it's been a very familiar script in recent years. Essendon struggling, needing a win. This is a game they should win. Carlton having a hapless season. Won one game or no games or two games. Come up against Essendon. Get their tails up against the old foe. And uh, a horrible experience for Bomber fans. Do you think that will happen again? I'll tell you what I do believe. David King prematurely exclaimed last week because he said the game between St Kilda and Carlton 
two coaches would go in, but only one would walk off with their job. Did he? Yeah, yeah that was the big premise, discussion, yeah. you know, Richardson and Bolton. And I thought that was wrong from the get-go. Yeah. But I think it might have some, hold some water this week. Uh, it'd be it'd be more damaging for Warsfold to lose than Bolton. Yeah, I think Bolton, he's committed every sin possible or his team has, so what's one more loss? But you're right, for Worsfold, it would be the worst possible result. And, and uh, importantly, Essendon already without Fantasia, Danaher and Smith, now without uh, Stringer and Scheel. Do they welcome back? They don't much? welcome back anyone. Mitch Brown got injured I be- playing I be- the VFL. I, I believe week. Bagley may be available to add... Yeah, I don't know if it's going to be the difference between the two teams. And Myers. You could ladle ladle the treacle on. Um, I actually hope if they do look somewhere, well, they have to look somewhere else. I'm hoping they might give uh, Dylan Clark his debut, actually. And I'm smelling Snelling. Yes, well, we uh, we mentioned that already. Um, I'm not even sure why I'm doing this, because I just have a sense of dread about this result, but I'm going to tip Essendon. It's so hard to tip in this game. Carlton... Their entries into the forward line last week, they knew not what they were doing. They had a couple of players that were, I'll be very interested at the selection table. I wonder if Nick Newman gets another go after his butchering butchering of the ball. Petrovsky Seaton was, some of his kicks were three metres and terrible. He he actually, I reckon he could do with a dropping. P.S. So who are you tipping? I'm going to tip Essendon with no confidence whatsoever. Okay, well, that makes two of us. And round 11 wraps up in Perth, the last game of the round. They've got to stop doing that. Uh, yeah, well, I don't mind them having it in Perth, but I don't know why all these games now have to finish at 8 rather than the old 7.20. And if I find out it's so uh, bounce can start on the hour rather than 20 past 7, I'm going to be seriously pissed off. Isn't it, is it? Is the game sort of shown live by 7 in Perth? Uh, not sure. Probably. Yeah, I think they all Maybe are, it dovetails into Perth tonight or some, uh, some program that we're not privy to. Imagine if they have this... Hosted by Basil Zemplis. They'll have their own show there. What to do with mining millions. Not to be seen in... <laughs> not to be shown in eastern states. <laughs> um, all right. West Coast, Western Bulldogs, of course, scene of the famous 2016 elimination final triumph by the Doggies. But that won't be happening this time, I don't think. I I like... I, I like what I can smell cooking at West Coast. I think they're getting uh, getting into a bit of serious form. I think um, they've still got players to come back into that side that will make them better still. Uh, I think they they are going to have a pretty good win. So do I. Western Bulldogs were... Great win last week, incidentally. I mean, you know, you're five and a half goals down in Adelaide and come back and win. Yeah, the question is still whether or not, apart from the Collingwood win, which was a really good four-quarter effort, when are they going to put in the four-quarter shift? Yeah. If they start doing it, they become a serious contender again. Yeah, Look, but they, even the Pies are doing that at the moment. There's only one side that's playing close to four quarters, and that's the Cats. Yeah. The, they don't have to do it against the Western Bulldogs, but you'd like to see them, in terms of uh, starting to hone their... You know, sharpen their talons and point the ship at the September. You'd like to see more of the game on their terms. Yeah, I, I believe they're going to win anyhow. Okay. And, and by the way, just looking back at those great West West Coast Bulldogs games of years gone by, the famous Muslim footballer who had such a big impression in those games. 
Sadat Sir? No. Um, oh, I sort of tuned out then, to be totally honest. What did you say? <laughs> Western Bulldogs, West Coast. <laughs> yeah. Their most serious rivalry. Yeah. Which Muslim footballer featured? Um, oh, uh, no, I don't know. Daniel Southern? He's a Muslim. I think he's converted, converted to, to Muslim, Muslim, did he? Yeah. Okay, yeah, well, of course, the famous choking incident with Peter Sumich ended up in court, that one, and I had to go to court. You? On the, on the eve, well, I had to cover the case. Be a witness. On the eve of the 1994 finals. It was the, <laughs> it was the Dukes. It was the Dukes. We have gone all over the shop on this one. Okay, that is the end of previews with Punch. Let's wrap it all up. On Footyology, the final word. Okay, we told you, got competition winners for you, and we've got a new competition for you. Finey, who has won our competition? They had to send in the best example of a finals wildcard that would uh, put the uh, cat amongst the finals pigeons, so to speak. Who's won? Gary H from Bright. Not bad, Central Victoria. Didn't want to give his surname? He, I'm not giving his surname because it's such a small town. I don't want him sort of... Um, uh, you know, people going over there trying to steal his T-shirt and okay. cap okay. once they know he owns it. What was the entry? Okay, well, f- no, look, I'll give you the runners-up. The, okay. the Gov, a brilliant entry. Geelong 93 had some strong support. Ari Vlahos was very keen on it. Sam, they made a good case for the Cats of 93. Now, I saw a few with Geelong 93, wasn't there? Was it uh, Peter Brudnell? Peter Brudnell as well. Now, Sam Ryan, he's an Essendon man. Yeah. And he says, of course, Essendon, that... Actually, we had enough wins to make the eight, but were removed, giving Carlton the opportunity ah, through the penalties clever. of Asada. 2013. Yeah, I just don't think that the AFL were going to let them have a wild card. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Look, we're going to put you back in with the wild card, but... I think you'll agree, Gary from Bright made a brilliant case because I went back and had a look at it. I and didn't see that. There's one. actually footage. In 1964, the reigning Premier's Hawthorne yep. missed out on the four oh. by a bee's nipple. Can now, I just. Was this yeah. uh, a goal right on the siren at Glen Ferry from Hassan? Man? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, your mate. No, I've read about I've it. I've got to get I've, you a cap. I've read about it. We can watch before. it because the last five minutes oh, is on, on YouTube. TV? Yeah. Oh, on it's YouTube. It's brilliant. Really? Oh. Far out, great. Watched for Hasselman's goal and yeah. the most and the most crude attempt to smother in football history by Ron Barassi. Okay. Who used his legs to smother. And the ground is mud sodden. Second yeah. last game of the year. Yeah. Do you know if Melbourne, who were the premiers, if if Hasselman didn't kick that goal and they lost, wouldn't have made the Melbourne finals. wouldn't have made the finals yeah. and Hawthorne would have finished on top. Yeah. Yeah, no. That, on top. That, no, well, I remember reading about that. I had no Incredible idea. Incredible swing. So the wild card then is Hawthorne. Hawthorne, yeah. Who, who were who reigning went, premiers who and went missed the finals. within one minute of finishing on top. That is a very, very good suggestion. Well done, Gary. Well done, Gary. Yep. This week's competition. Okay, so Gary, so Gary needs to get in contact with yeah, us. Just you, tell us his shirt size and cap size. Cap size? There's no such thing. Well, people have different size heads. Watermelon head. Um, and uh, <laughs> and Andrew's hamburgers Newton, T-shirt and two cap. sizes, Burt Newton size head and yeah, the rest. Yeah, um, and uh, all jokes aside, we will get it out to you, Gary. So well done. Okay, Finey, what's this week's? You see, the connection there was Burt Newton, Paddy, Paddy's, Andrew's hamburgers. This week's is simple. It's pouring. It's been pouring for three days. Yeah. What is your, especially from suburban grounds, what is your wet nightmare at the football? It can be on field. It can be you personally. But now 
you know, I tell my kids it used to rain at the footy. They don't believe it. Okay, do you mean an experience that you have actually been through? Or you don't have to. Maybe you, oh, I maybe think that'd something, be better. It's, it's good if it's personalised. It can yeah. be as a fan, but it might be something you saw. Jeez, I've got one. Oh, I've got a beauty. Okay, let's give a quick Next example. Yep. Okay. Uh, okay, mine is uh, 1986 elimination final, Essendon Fitzroy. Yep. I had a rare day off work, so I was sitting in the Waverley members thing. It, it's, I've never seen it piss down more steadily a day at the footy. Anyone who's seen the replay will te- uh, vouch for that. Essendon, narrow lead all day, kicked one goal in the last quarter. This is the Mickey Conlon yeah, goal, yes. of course. Michael Thompson had uh, absolutely taken him to the cleaners. It was about Conlon's second or third touch. He kicks the goal uh, with about a minute to go. Fitzroy win. Essendon is sunk by Fitzroy in elimination final. I'm wet through to the skin and sitting there copping the taunts of a whole bay of Fitzroy supporters <laughs> next to us. Shocker. Mine, Yours? All right, we used to go to St Kilda's along by train and get there for the first bounce in the reserves. Oh, yeah. One year it was pouring. We get there for the first bounce in the reserves and they announce no reserves to preserve the ground because oh, really? it was yeah. that wet. <laughs> we were the only people there, honestly. But we found out next to the Geelong ground, there used to be a small ground Yeah, over a, over a, a, a sort of tennis court mesh fence. Well, it still is. Yeah, maybe. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Anyhow, Geelong reserves were going to play an intra-club there. Oh, yeah. And we went to watch it and we were pressed in, me and my mates, to boundary umpire, oh, yeah. which we did for the first half until my jeans from water absorption were up past the knee soaking wet. <laughs> and they said, I remember like the Geelong official said, hey, mate, what are you doing? We need you for the second half. The second word was you. that's good that's good all right so that's the sort of story we're looking for preferably true that would uh, help uh send us your best final judge them and uh the winner will get a uh, andrews hamburgers t-shirt a cap and just possibly we may have another uh item to give away in our footyology prize pack handy if you're wet this prize yes yes uh and in fact as my favorite one of my favorite south park characters would say don't forget to bring a towel um that's it for this week i hope your side has a good one uh hope it can be competitive even if they don't win good luck to our lucky shanghai participants and a big week for international exposure for the game we thought it only appropriate finey that we give this edition uh, a suitably international flavour. So I thought we'd look up some of the biggest songs in Chinese music history. No, we're not going the cliched English stuff. This is representative of Chinese culture. One of the biggest songs Chinese people will tell you, they all love this song and all know it, is from 1977. It's by Teresa Tang. My favourite. And it's called, Finey, The Moon Represents My Heart. Or, in Chinese, this We'll see you on Sunday.
了我的心，轻轻的一个吻，已经打动我的心，深深的断情，叫我思念到如今。